0: What the heck? Your source for Warhammer Underworlds and under thirty Gnarl oaks gnawing at your toes. I'm your host Phil, and with me, as always, my trusty co-host through these Gnarl oaks, Davey. How you doing, Davey?
1: I'm doing pretty well. I am really excited to be talking about this new season. And oh uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, I'm glad uh, I'm glad this is getting out there. I think it's going to be a great thing for the community in a lot of different ways that we're going to get a chance to talk to. Uh, in the later in this episode
0: oh yeah yeah uh this this is a this is a pretty substantial new box release not in terms of the contents but in terms of just what it's going to change about the game yeah um i assume at this point most folks have already seen the articles with a lot of the sort of biggest changes yeah um but man there's a lot we we went through the rulebook a couple of different times, and we still missed stuff. So oh yeah, right. Uh, it is this is a big one. This is gonna mm-hmm. be fun. This is gonna be a good one. And I do like the new war bands too. So uh, it's pretty exciting. But before we really dive in, start talking about stuff, let's let's get all of our sort of starting uh, pieces out of the way. yeah, um just just to give folks a bit of context where we, where we're recording this, um, and I guess sort of maybe we'll back up even a little bit further than that. Um, So we've actually already had the box for a couple weeks at this point, and we are recording on October 17th. Um, The pre-order release was just yesterday. Well, pre-order notice was just yesterday that is going to go on pre-order on the 22nd. So uh, this is about a a week before folks will be able to go on pre-order. That is when this episode will be dropping. Um, And then it should arrive then on the 29th. So just before November. Mm. And just before Halloween, That's yeah. sort of a fitting uh, box to go along with Halloween. Yeah. Um. You may have noticed as well, uh, we are conspicuously just the two of us tonight. Um, and that is not to say that the rest of our folks are not going to be around. Uh, they've got plenty of stuff that they're working on. But no, this- folks,
1: we heard you loud and clear. They're terrible. They're fired. Oh, they're all yep. gone. Gone. No. No. Gone. Get
0: them out of here. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) no, uh, they, they've got a number of things actually that they've been working on because we were a a little bit in a holding pattern because we knew the new season was probably coming soon, but we didn't know exactly when. Um, and then of course we got the box and we are still working through a few, uh, logistical things with getting them fully onto the cast. So, um, we had to do this review without them. And so that is why, but they will be back soon, um, probably on the next episode even. Um, So we've got a a number of different irons in the fire, as it were. Mm. Uh, Anyway, so I guess in that vein, um, some community shout-outs. Obviously, our own folks have got stuff they're working on. What are other people working on, Davey?
1: Uh, Well, I thought one real... Uh, timely article that came in was uh, on the Determined Effort blog, this Bacon Borns project. And he talked about why we need both the Nemesis format and the Champs format, and uh, I thought it was a very thoughtful article. Uh, there was a lot of, of uh, passion that got fired up by some of the uh, Warhammer community articles, and uh, I just thought it was a, a good sort of measured take on the whole situation. And I'd recommend it. It's a you know just a few minutes to read it, um, and I I like that people are creating that. Uh, that sort of thing instead of all just like here's something about the meta and here's something about you know I, I think that's uh that's a valuable thing yeah. we're putting out there. So hats off there. Um for sure. Well let's say let's say you're one of the people out there and for some reason you're not excited about a new season. There's there's actually two new seasons going <laughs> simultaneously. Uh our bud Wath Lab, uh four dwarves and a bear he it this is like an insane project of uh love uh, a fan project uh it is a standalone fan created season of underworld's uh beard grave and it is all dwarven slash duarden war bands uh there's a revamp of the chosen axes and then uh a number of uh, totally unique war bands and it's uh it's on reddit there's, there's gonna be a link in the show notes uh that has those custom war bands it comes with custom boards all this sort of thing and it's it's uh it's kind of amazing like this is uh a project a long time coming and uh it's it's even if you don't play it which it would be fun to uh give it a spin um even if you don't play it it is amazing to just kind of look through so uh i i said hats off to uh uh, i think uh what, what would be a dwarven thing Two two hats off runes off rune hat helmet <laughs> off i don't know uh something t- tip of the beard to to wath lab there
0: but yeah i i definitely i have not read his article but um i have seen a number of the times he's posted with sort of his uh i guess the the working through of figuring out how to make these new war bands his unique war bands um and trying to sort of get feedback on the balance and the rules and how they're fitting in um they've always been uh i thought very well thought through mm. um some of them seemed uh like they were probably sort of just right some of them may be a little too strong but either way uh that's a lot of work and that's that's pretty nice and i'm like making actual fighter cards and everything too it's pretty awesome
1: yeah. And also open a feedback, uh, you know, very thoughtful and re- receiving feedback, which is not always something you experience with these fan projects. Um,
0: oh, of course. So yeah, yeah I mean, pretty, people pretty get awesome. very close to these sorts of things. And then it's like, Oh, people shooting everything down. Yeah. Um, but no, definitely, definitely. Uh, the only other thing that I can think of to shout out is actually our own, uh, little bit of community. Um, oh, yeah, we, we have been sorely, uh, lacking in, advertising for this so i want to make sure to get in here now uh on november the 5th uh that is a saturday we will be running another uh local tournament we are calling it the mad town Throwdown here in madison wisconsin uh playing at noble night games um i believe 10 o'clock is going to be the start time that's correct uh, it's going to be nemesis in honor of the new format cor- correct correct
1: Yep, it will be Nemesis format. Uh, it's, I mean, it's basically a uh, the the new season. gnarlwood will have yeah. been out for an entire week. Uh, yeah, release party. Yep. So think of it as a narwood release event. Uh, we'll have four rounds. Uh, we're just doing best of one. We're gonna make it. We're we're gonna try and onboard as many people. We're gonna try and grow the community here, um, and uh, and pull in folks from around. Uh, I know we're gonna be seeing uh, some, some, uh, different, uh, folks traveling in from out of town. I think there's, uh, there, there may be the Sigmar inquisition showing up from down South a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Alex has promised to burn some witches to celebrate. Oh, uh, so, um, That'll be fun. I, I've yeah. already talked about how much I love it. Uh, thank you, Phil, for bringing this up because I think Skylar might literally have killed me if I did not <laughs> include it. So.
0: Yes, and I'm sure we will have something in the show notes for folks as well. A uh, mm-hmm. link to the page uh, where we have the all the details uh, in writing so you don't have Absolutely. to kind of feverishly jot down notes here.
1: If you're listening to this on the release day, it is two weeks from today. Yeah, yep,
0: yep. Coming up soon, so... Yep. Put it on your calendars. Get ready. Should be a good time. Yep. Uh, Well, normally we would talk now about what the hex is going on with us, but I think you kind of probably have a guess as to what the hex has been going on with us. So let's just dive right in. These gnarled wood bucks, uh, because that is definitely what we've been working on. And it is a good time. Uh, So we're going to be talking a lot about stuff from the box new rules new war bands what the new format is stuff you know rules changes narrative as much as we can try and fit in here without going too crazy over time <laughs> yeah but right uh with all of that there are still a few things we don't know um so just wanted to get these out of the way now, so there's no confusion about, you know, maybe why we're not talking about these, or maybe any sort of misconceptions about any of this stuff. So, uh, things we definitely know that we don't know yet. Uh, We do not know what exactly any sort of changes will be for formats. Um, There was, kind of as mentioned already, some hand-wringing about Uh, The potential shifting of championship and relic that seems to have just been some uh, lax word usage by the community team Um, there's definitely still going to be a championship format but we do suspect that with with a new format change that you know there might be a few other changes coming along Um, we definitely saw some of that happen a while back uh, changes to you know Restricted lists and whatnot. So, um, wouldn't be surprised to see any additional changes there. Definitely expecting to see more details from Nemesis. We know that it's essentially Rivals Plus, as people have probably already known it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, there could be a, a, a number of other details that we're just not aware of yet. So, uh, that should be coming hopefully along with the release of the new box. Um, the other thing that's a little unclear at this point is rotation. Um, previously, we, it had always been a pretty clean, just two seasons uh, per rotation cycle. But now that boxes are on six-month releases, does that mean that we're going to be rotating every 18 months? Mm-hmm. Um, to be determined. We do not know exactly what this is going to look like. The assumption is direcasm is leaving us. And what the future holds, we're not sure yet. Um, So we will we will assume sort of as we're talking some stuff that that is going to be how it works is that every, you know, every time we get some new boxes, we're going to be just, you know, a couple core boxes at a time. Um, But we don't really know that. And then um, there there are certainly things that should be addressed in F.A.R.S. coming up, but when we will see one with the new season is obviously unknown to us at this point so
1: yeah this- not just far but there's there's some clarifications in some of the guards because we we were able to look at the last release and kind of uh, assess that there's no mention of any cards from hexbanes or gore chosen releases yep, um, yep. so there's some erratas and uh, designer commentary needed for uh, some things, minor something's a little more outstanding I'm looking at you what weighty blessing
0: is it well there's weighty blessing for sure that's that's one that definitely needs one there's there's the support one from gore chosen
1: yeah so there's a few we just need a little bit of help and clarity uh, on figuring out exactly how these are supposed to work Um, uh, but we'll we'll get there and it's just a matter of when
0: yeah yeah all right so we uh with all that out of the way we can dive into the box contents and some of the uh other adjacent releases that are going to be happening kind of at the same time um you can obviously just go and look at the article for some of that stuff in detail but we figure we'll mention it here as well but sure the uh the box what what's in the box <laughs>
1: not ahead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we have this stuff that you'd uh, typically expect. So dice boards, uh, a whole bunch of tokens and such. And then, um, we used to always get a two war bands, their faction decks, and then a pool of universals. And what exactly those universals have looked like have changed over time. It used to almost be a, uh, predictable reprint of great strength great fortitude that sort of thing since those things moved into essentials uh that freed them up uh but now even uh past that all the universals in this uh box are split between uh, two other rivals decks uh universal rivals decks to be clear and that would be a uh, tooth and claw and daring delvers uh, yeah which does mean that there are no as we mentioned i think in the last episode there's there's no grand alliance cards um and i know there's been some folks who are concerned about oh no does that mean grand alliance cards are are gone they they talk a bunch about the grand alliances like being a thing and so i feel pretty confident in uh saying that I, i would expect grand alliance specific cards to continue moving forward um so yeah I think I think that is
0: fair yeah
1: what do you uh how do you feel about this uh this split like putting it two faction rivals decks and two universal rivals decks in here
0: I think it's probably going to be a good move for the whole of the community um Mm -hmm. I think it gives a really great way for people to start the game and that's really what the core boxes should be um you know a core box really shouldn't have to feel like just an expansion it should feel like this is a starting point this is where you can jump into the game get started and have everything you need in that one box mm. um and if you're playing rivals then you definitely can you'll have the two war bands that you can just play with their rivals decks right out of the box and then if you want to mix it up you have two more choices to just try out straight out of the box as well sure um, well no and what, building necessary
1: yeah what what actually works great with this like if you want to have a little bit of deck building uh this is set up so that you can buy this box and two players can play nemesis right away right like, yeah yeah because right. there's two rivals decks in there or two universal rivals decks like i think that's actually a, a pretty clever play there yeah um, for sure and if you want to do champs well that's also i mean that's always available to you as well of so uh, i think this was like The most flexible way they could have arranged it that I can think of.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I actually pretty much, I think they they hit it really, really nicely this time around. Um, I think both of the uh, additional rivals decks are actually playable.
1: Um, Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. Like that. That was. uh, If if you want to know more about that, and we should have mentioned this at the top, but like, of course, we've got a uh, card by card review of uh, all the cards that came out um the fighter cards and every every u- universal and faction card that came out in the in the box but these these are functional standalone decks uh yeah. they're cohesive and uh I think it was what we had been hoping for like hey this is the new season let's see what they can do like you, you think that the rivals format was an idea they had part of the way through the season with uh, development timelines. This is maybe the first look we've had at them saying like, Hey, let's make this a thing. Let's make universal rivals decks a thing. And yeah. uh, man, they are, they are cohesive. Um, yeah. For, for any number of reasons, but uh, what, you know, tell tell me something about
0: it here. Uh, well, so I think, I think we can pretty well use this as a springboard into some of the the changes that are maybe coming Uh, a little bit of speculation here, but so there's these, these new cards that actually kind of go along with both of these. Mm. Um, They're called plot cards. Um, And we found out that it turns out that the card for primacy and the card for desecration are also considered to be plot cards. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are faction specific ones. What does a plot card mean? yeah so plot cards um essentially is a additional rule that will be introduced to the game if you include certain cards in your deck which is actually something we should already be pretty familiar with because this is exactly Mm -hmm. how primacy worked Mm -hmm. yeah oh
1: great point yeah
0: yeah if you included any cards that that um involve primacy you essentially ended up you know, we didn't necessarily always have the card out when we were playing with primacy, but you did have this idea of this rule card for primacy that you'd then be introduced in the game at the beginning where you'd say, yep, I'm playing with primacy. Here's this card. It's going to be the same idea. Um, there's one for both of these universal rivals decks for tooth and claw. Uh, you end up having this concept of being savage. Um, it's Mm -hmm. keyworded on a whole bunch of these, um, cards, um, and then being savage, uh, just, just basically it's like if you're staggered or charged, um, mm-hmm. there, there's actually a little bit more to it, but, but you can there's, go check that out.
1: Yeah. Two wounds is the only other caveat. So two, yep. two wound counters on you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, there's timing and stuff that involves sure. that. Um, but, but so basically it's like, Hey, this is, this is sort of your aggro deck. Uh, you want to be savage. You want to be charging. You want to get staggered like, and it, and it's pretty well designed around doing that i mean like some of the surges it's like hey if you were you know already savage and got a kill you score your kill surge it's like mm-hmm. okay uh, this this kind of makes sense it all goes together um and it drives you towards an objective uh and of, of course you know they're universal rivals decks there's still cards in here that are not you know, bangers it's not stuff you would always play in championship sure. but it's not stuff where you look at it and you just go what were they thinking? Why was this even in here?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we talked a lot about, um, well, I'm going to forget the card now, but in uh, illusory might, uh, there was one particular gambit, I think shady bargain uh, Mm. where you could put out an upgrade for free. And it was like, this, this has no reason to be in this deck. It doesn't, Yeah, it's all illusions. Why (laughs) exactly? But that doesn't happen here. Like there's cards in here. There's some that are stronger than others. And there's some cards that you won't see in championship play. But every card that's in there, you can say like, by and large, you can say, I understand how this fits into this Rivals deck. So even if it doesn't do anything strong for me in like broad championship play where I'm maybe not working towards, uh, in the case of uh, Tooth and Claw, um, the Savage mechanic, or in the case of Daring Devil, the Exploration mechanic, Uh, even if I'm not like... If I'm not leaning towards those things, then this card doesn't do anything for me. But if you say like, let me look at this from a rivals or nemesis perspective, then every card in there, you're like, okay, I, I know why that's in here. Yeah, uh, this does a thing if it is looked at in the context of this format, and uh, I like that a lot. Um, I, I mean, I like it. Actually, I like it a ton. You know, because in in every season, when there's a universal release, there's always cards that are like, ah, this doesn't really do anything. But here, like, even if they don't do, and we would always say that, but we would be saying that in the context of championship play, right? Yep. Um, and here, there, there is, there is a format where it has a place, where it has a, a role,
0: absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And and I think that you know, I'm not going to say that they're trying to shift focus away from championship because I really don't know that, and I don't actually think that that's the case. But I do think that they're trying to raise up Nemesis. I mean, they mm. give it an official name. They're putting effort into making sure the rivals decks make more sense, um, and I think it it's just a much simpler way to play the game, which is not a bad thing. Mm. Um, there's a lot of mental load before you ever even sit down to play a game. To if you're playing championship, yeah, um, and you know people who play a lot sometimes take that for granted, um, but it is not it is not straightforward. And so, you know, for people who are just wanting to play the game just to play the game, this is this is great. This is going to make people's lives easy and people are going to have fun with this. Um, And I think I think there's enough cards in here that are good that people will feel happy to be like, yeah, I want to use this deck for my Mm -hmm. aggro guys that I want to play Nemesis with. Mm. Or, you know, on the flip side, you've got your your sort of hold. It's, it's invasion hold uh, is the exploration thing. I mean, I don't think there's really another way to explain it. Um, that's, that's essentially what it is. You can obviously go check out all the cards on the blog if you want a deep dive there. But, but you know, so it gives you your hold and your aggro, but it's not like passive hold or anything like that. Right. Um, so I think that'll be really good. And I, I am pretty excited for what it's going to be like playing Nemesis now. Um, with more support. And I assume we're going to see more of these throughout the season as well. Yeah.
1: It uh here's another interesting thing. I I didn't even well, gosh, man, there's so much to cover. Uh, but you say, (laughs) assume we're gonna see more of this. Uh often we've been able to predict, like, all right, here's what this season is gonna have, because you can look at here's the card count for the season. Oh, yeah. You know, say this card is like number one of 254 or something like that. In this case, every card is a one through thirty-two of the uh, rivals deck that it's attached to. Yeah. So, yeah. so, what, so
0: we have no idea how many total cards is going to be.
1: Right. Uh, we also don't know. Like, is there some way that these all somehow fit in different rivals decks? That That uh, seems unlikely. If they have, if you know, I don't, I don't know how grand alliance cards, which we feel comfortable saying, are probably still in this um i'm gonna throw out a possibility what if they have grand alliance rivals decks here's an order here's an orders uh grand alliance order rivals deck like that
0: might be a thing we'll see yeah we could see that maybe just a whole um just a card release set that's just one for each uh grand alliance yeah i i think that would be great that that's a good way to seed a whole bunch of cards that are relevant but limited uh in their relevance so yeah. I, I yeah so i think it's interesting i i don't know and and the specifically on the plot cards it does make mention of saying like it's not it's not based on the keywords that whether you get the rule or not it's actually whether you're including a card with the symbol and this is actually something new uh, down at the bottom each rivals deck has its own rivals deck symbol right um and so it says if you include a card with that symbol you you well, you have the choice of which, if you want to include that plot, or if you have another one, you can include mm-hmm. that plot. You only get mm-hmm. one, though. Yeah. Um, so at, oh, go ahead. Unless you have a faction plot. So like mm-hmm. if you play uh, Mad Mob, you will always have Primacy, and then you could have, you know, Tooth and Claw as well. Right, exactly.
1: So you always bring whatever your in-house thing is, uh, desecration or Primacy being the examples we know. So at most, at the very most, a game would have four. So like, let's yes. say we had Bob versus Kagras. That means we got Primacy. That means we got uh, Desecration. And if they each brought a Rivals deck that had a plot card, then both those rules would be in effect. Uh, looking at the plot cards, uh, as far as I can figure, there is, from the only two that we've seen, uh, it's technically your choice to, to have those rules in effect. There is no downside to including the rule uh, no, no as far as i can figure they really um, don't because you're anything yeah your opponent plays by those same rules but they are not going to have anything that scores off them so technically your opponent could stagger their own fighters at the start of an activation and that that's what's on the uh that's what's on the uh, tooth and claw plot card uh with the savage mechanic um not to get two in the weeds but like I, I currently can't think of a reason why that would be advantageous to anyone. <laughs> so yeah, uh,
0: I'll give it, you a free reroll on my fighters. Yeah, yeah. It
1: it Seems may develop good. somewhere down the line, um, but uh, by and large, there's there's not a big head game of like, oh man, should I should I use the plot card that comes with my deck or not? You know. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I think I think you. Unlike primacy, there is pretty much no downside to these. Yeah. Um, so I think you'll definitely see if people are playing with the cards that score off of them, you will see them in play.
1: Yeah. Um, one, one more thing. And I don't know if, if we're, uh, I mean, we've, we've spent a lot of time on this uh, already, but, uh, one more thing I want to mention about these rivals decks is that, uh, each of the faction rivals decks and each of the universal rivals decks have a six surge six end phase split. Yeah. Uh, and that, I mean that is one of the steps that has made those uh, made those universal rivals decks look like this is a cohesive deck. This is a deck that would work if I just picked it up and used it like it is, uh, or even you know salted in something from my faction. You know, did the nemesis thing. Uh, ever since, all throughout the Ulgu season, through um, Harrow Deep and Nether Maze, every rivals deck uh, was well, every every rivals deck that was. Uh, physical deck was a four surge uh eight end phase um there's weird stuff going on with the white dwarf specific ones but um all the factions were four surges so uh gore chosen um you know uh hexbane the guys who came in the maze they all had four surges this is a intentional move where they're like we're gonna we're gonna make sure that everybody's kind of on from i mean unless they change again but like we make sure that rivals deck is more of a functional deck going forward yeah. um, than, than it has been previously
0: yeah and I think that's a big that's a big move I mean you want people to be used to playing the game kind of the way they're event you know the idea being that they're sort of the stepping stones up to playing at championship level you kind of want the decks that you start playing with to be constructed the same way I would sure. think. Um, yeah. because otherwise you get people who are like, oh, I didn't I didn't even realize that this deck didn't have, you know, the legal you know, the, the maximum number of surges. Yeah. Um and so um I, I think it just it makes sense. I don't know why we wouldn't you know, and of course he, back in like Beast Grave when we had, you know, like Crawthorn, he had eight surges in his deck, and it's like, why? What is this? It doesn't make <laughs> any sense. Um so Uh, finally landing seemingly on a a way to just have everything be uniform and streamlined and ready to play right out of the box. Man, did that fool really have eight? That is, it was eight. It was eight. Oh my God. You're correct. Wow. That is outrageous. (laughs) Very. Okay. Um, yeah. So anyway, so that's, that's the rivals decks. Um, I think, you know, as we've been saying, if you want more details, we we ran through all the cards. It's kind of a lot, actually, <laughs> uh, if I'm being honest. But um, they're all there if you want to get every single card, read through all of them, see what we thought of them. Um, but I think at this point we should probably say a little bit of something about the actual warbands and their rivals. Yeah, things.
1: yeah. We talked a little bit last episode about the uh, the models, you know, because they've been yeah. previewed. We'd seen them. Uh, I will say, you and I got to play with them in person They're I mean, I, I shouldn't be surprised anymore, but like, it's the thing where like, as I assemble these models, I'm always like, Whoa, you know, like if it's one that didn't get me super excited right away, like the sons of Elmore. And I was like, yeah, skeletons. Okay.
0: Yeah, they're just dudes. Uh,
1: putting them together. I'm like, these guys are amazing. This um, yeah. so was really excited about them. Uh, so not a lot new to add about the, the models other than, uh, as is the standard, they are pretty great. Um, but, uh, Phil, we, we kind of split them one way and the other Gnarl spirit pack landed in your hands. How would you describe those guys?
0: Uh, so, so they, they definitely lean a bit more aggro, but I feel like they are a bit of a Swiss army knife. Um, they can kind of be flexible and do a whole bunch of different things. I think, um, and the reason for that is because of how their inspire mechanic works. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning just because it is very unique. Um, and we haven't, I mean, maybe somebody has spent enough time, you know, enhancing and and staring at their videos that they've had uh, to figure this stuff out. But, but basically there is this struggle and overcome mechanic that this warband has. Um, and what that means is that, um, when you activate a fighter, you can choose to put a spirit counter on them. And when you do, they will become a beast and gain some additional bonus. Um, and then uh, in a subsequent activation or uh, with certain power cards, you can then remove those spirit counters. And when you do so after that activation, they will then be inspired. Yeah. Um, and usually their inspired side has some different bonus from their beast inspiration so it's sort of like which version of this fighter do you want Um, which is a little bit similar to crimson court
1: but i mean i i would say more than a little bit right
0: (laughs) yeah i mean it's 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 definitely hearkening back to that same thought um Mm -hmm. you have these two inspire mechanics and they do different things um based on their uh side that they're on but I, but i think that you, they leaned even harder into it here um like you know the inspired side seems to be a lot about like support um and and like being able to help the rest of the warband at least uh, we see right. that on two of the fighters because they're they're
1: beasts or they're like in control themselves right like, yeah yeah uh and so it's this awesome thing it was like whoever's not a beast is kind of controlling other ones who have like been given over to their their bestial spirits that they're working with yeah yeah
0: and and i think it's worth mentioning here uh since people are probably just now getting to start to see cards but the art for when they're like possessed by the beast spirits oh my god is it's so cool amazing and i am really looking forward to some of the really quality painters in our community painting these guys up with their beast spirit possessions.
1: Yeah. It's just amazing. It's this like crazy, like red uh, spirit mask thing. It's like, you know, kind of flame ethereal thing going on. I, I gave a long thought to like, can I try to pull this off? I'm like, I, I don't think I can. I'm not <laughs> a skilled enough painter to, to do this, but there's somebody out there who is, and I cannot wait. I'm glad you said that. And uh, you know, I actually, yeah. I'm going to say this, the art for this whole season like amazing oh yeah it's great it's really Uh, good stuff i say whole season this box i can only speak to the box um i yeah i'm i i love the art style i don't know who they got in to do this but it's uh it's super cool really immersive
0: yeah and um so yeah i guess just to wrap these guys up um you know, don't want to get too much into the weeds, but the the different like the different tacks you could take with these guys. Like most of them are faster when they're beasts. So like you can just sort of go like speedy aggro. You can get that invasion stuff. But then like Goral Spine Hammer is really tanky when he's a beast. Mm. And uh, yeah,
1: I got a little salty about how tanky
0: that <laughs> <my guy> was. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that's fair. Uh, he he can he can just on on command b2 block that is yeah. uh, pretty pretty gnarly yeah um so they just have a lot of like flexibility and they can change kind of at will which means that you're gonna have to really be on your toes knowing what these different fighters are capable of um, yeah
1: you drew a really good parallel to uh to the uh crimson court um and that that sort of double-sided right like uh i think this is this is that same mechanic, but like further refined. Uh, it, it's more dynamic. It's easier to flip between the two because the problem with Crimson Court was to inspire. They almost always had to wait till the end of the round, right? Yeah, they, they could bloodthirst on command, but like I- inspiring was the end of round thing. These guys uh, can become beasts quickly, and then just slightly slower, waiting for the next inspiration step. And also, if you can remove, you can find a way to remove that spirit counter uh, either by their card. Uh, I, I think that, oh, then they, then they can flip to their inspired side and that the other pieces, but besides being more dynamic, they're more interconnected because there are abilities that each had, uh, not each, like uh, several of the fighters have that say like, Hey, when this fighter is inspired, it's going to do this benefit for all the other fighters that you have in your warband that are beasts. And so it's this crazy balancing act of like just getting it right. And when we played, you did get that balancing act very right. And, had some like really powerful attacks in defense. And uh, I, I really struggled to, to overcome that at times because uh, it's like, man, he, he found the timing on these things to like really have them mesh together well. Um, it feels like a really high skill cap to me. Like there's a really high ceiling. You can go with these guys with how well you, you time that.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I, I was thinking the same thing. It's just that like, I think in the hands of really skilled players, I think these guys will go far. Yeah. Um, and they, they will have lots of, uh, tricks. I, I will say, I, and while I feel like I did execute fairly well with these guys, I did actually block myself out from some of my power cards cause I didn't get mm. the timing quite right. And I was like, Oh, I actually need a spirit counter to be able to play this one. Or I don't, I have to not be a beast to play this one. And I, I just had flipped like just too soon. Sure. Um, and block myself out from playing my power cards. So, yeah. um, I think there will be a little bit of growing pains figuring these guys out, but I think there's a lot there to learn. Yeah. Um, I think the only other thing that I want to say about these guys before we talk about the uh, Velmorn skeletons. Please is say oaths. That, yeah. Yeah. Yes. We got yes. these oaths coming <laughs> back. So, if for folks who uh, maybe weren't around during the Godsworn Hunt um, release, they had these objective cards that were called oath of something um a lot of for, them were for like, the god
1: sworn it was like all the generic stuff this yeah. oath of annihilation oath of denial oath of supremacy oath of conquest yeah so okay. i mean I it, was a,
0: it was kind of what you would expect it's like hey it's it's denial so therefore no enemies in your territory which is actually quite difficult to pull off and the payoff well okay so so the way oaths worked for folks who didn't remember who don't know or weren't playing at that time um is basically if you had an oath in your hand at the start of the round you would say you know i'm going to declare this oath and you'd reveal it and if you then scored it you would get an extra glory off of the card so like you could score annihilation for six right you know if you somehow were able to score (laughs) annihilation uh obviously those were very cool in flavor but in practice were not all that amazing uh They went back to the well with these guys. They're all, all of their oaths are base one glory, um, but they're all very interesting objectives. Some of them are surges. And uh, so if you can, if you can manage the oath side, like to declare them, you're turning these all into two glory. I mean, two glory end phases are already sort of the standard. And then two glory surges are really great. So, yeah, uh, I think it's going to be pretty fun to try and like build your deck to be like, how can I make sure that I can declare these oaths and score them, uh, well declaring them.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, so- lean even more into that thing. We were talking about like the high skill ceiling on these guys, oh, yeah, man. knowing when and when not to declare your oath, uh, is going to be huge because it, it does a couple things. It says like, Hey, I have this, here's exactly what you can do to block it uh or it, it there's almost like a counter they were like hey i'm i'm coming after you know like a there's one that's the oath of slaughter which is uh i i'm gonna try and kill two fighters i'm gonna try and kill a large enemy fighter you know let's say they have there's all of a sudden you're saying like i am all out aggro this round and then the other to decide like okay like how bad do i want to try to deny this surge like i don't know i i
0: love i love what they yeah. did with this no Very i cool. think I think they really, they really did a good job with this warband, and I am super excited to play them. Um, But we don't, we don't want to do a full deep dive on each of these warbands. We'll be here all night. So, as much as we love them, we should also give some love to Velmorn and his sons. Yeah, Uh, these guys, as you said, great models. I think, I think there's going to be a lot of people who just pick these guys up for the models.
1: Sure i uh i have a lot of friends who do not play games workshop games but they you know D D and that sort of thing and like this is that kind of model that they would would scoop up yeah actually i'm, I'm saying this and i'm almost certain that uh zach over on pat the glory said like literally the same thing but uh, well oh yeah i <laughs> mean probably but it,
0: yeah but like they're just generic i mean they're just skeletons right yeah they're, they're all skeletons are just a very common thing in fantasy right. of all varieties and these guys are some really great skeleton warrior models. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Thoroughly expect to see these getting converted and used for all sorts of different stuff.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, I'll talk about these guys real quick. Cause I was the one who ran these, um, they're a little bit more of a head scratcher. If you ask me, like they, uh, the big thing is that the inspire is that there needs to be an attack that crits that. So they have to crit with an attack, Crit success, to be clear, because uh, you got me at least once where I had like a,
0: yeah. a, crit and a hit
1: and you were like, OK, well, I'll crit and defend like, oh, my God, like you just, <laughs> you just denied like three inspires with that. Um, so uh, they're they're doing that crit fishing thing, which uh, we often see with Stormcast, not necessarily always crit fishing, but like a, a thing where they're like looking for a success or looking for, you know, yeah. whatever, there, there's some dice roll that needs to happen. Um, that makes, that makes the inspiration kind of swingy. They, and the other pieces that they have, uh, I, I, the background is there's the King and then his four sons, but one of those sons is illegitimate. And, uh, that is Sir Jedron who is huge by the way. Yeah. Uh, really cool like model.
0: Ogre size. <sighs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> He's a beast. um, the, the three Trueborn sons are all graveguards. Sir Jedrin is not. And the Rivals deck comes with a lot of stuff that says, like, hey, are you graveguard? Cool, then do this thing. Uh, and so Sir Jedrin is on the outside looking in, and obviously the, the king himself is uh, not using those on himself. Uh, so it's this thing of like kind of crit fishing, um, setting up supports. It has a number of ways to like get kind of support tricks uh, in there, uh, which can help with the inspire and accuracy and all that sort of thing. And so at first glance, they seem kind of under understated on their, uh, attack profiles. But I think a lot of it comes from trying to set up support. So if you can find a way, uh, to set supports up, I know that if, um, if I was running this in a champion style thing, like I'm looking at unfair fight pretty quickly. Cause, oh, yeah. uh, um, that that'll get you, Extra rolls and add extra grievous on there, which we'll talk about at some point here. But uh, um, that is what, and then some of their objective deck is talking about like holding objectives, and they're they're pretty permissive. That it's like uh, have uh, have one in your territory and one somewhere else, or have one in your territory and have killed you know this number of people or whatever. Like there's uh, you don't have to hold a ton. Um, yeah, and like any death warband, there's a little bit of resurrection in there, but it's it's uh, of the warbands that have some kind of ability to resurrect in house. This is the one that is the toughest. Like, yeah. there's no there's no on card thing like Grimwatch or Sepulchral Guard. There's a few power cards that make it happen. Um, and, and as long as partial resurrection is around, you might be bringing that in a championship. But yeah, yeah, Go ahead. yeah.
0: I I was just thinking that like you know you have to be so careful with the like on fighter card resurrection because we've seen it Mm -hmm. be very strong and it generally means that you need to have smaller weaker fighters initially because they can just keep coming back so you don't want to have some big scary fighter who just keeps coming back and and i think this works pretty well for that the question then is just the like is it good enough and 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 I think we'll we'll have to kind of wait and see. In our game, it didn't feel like it really mattered. Um, And and actually, in one in the case where you did resurrect one fighter, uh, I ended up getting to kill him again and kill somebody else. So it kind of just meant you bled some glory because you only they come back vulnerable. So it's like the infection. Whatever it's called. Um, Partial resurrection. Yeah, partial resurrection. Yep. Um, so like not bad by any means to be able to get a fighter back for an activation, but like uh you do you, you gotta be careful with it. it's not it's not just yeah. a free, a free roll to have your fighter back. yeah um, yeah and and like I don't know. I, looking through this faction deck, they're they're pretty aggressive um and like you mentioned, they're they're trying to rely a lot on crits. they're trying to rely a lot on support. And it just, it just, the feeling that I got playing into them is it was like, if the dice would go well for you, I feel like these guys would be amazing. And if the dice don't go well for you, or if your opponent's dice are really hot, uh, it's probably not going to feel too great. And that's sort of how the game kind of felt is it was like, yeah, Davey was having to work uphill and the other guys, the gnarl spirit pack, they, they can kind of just turn it on whenever they want. Yeah. Um, and and it felt it felt a little imbalanced but um you know that's that's not awful um i think in championship these guys will be a lot better
1: yeah and i uh there was some you know there's some dice went each way early on you you went and kira has an insane scything attack um yes. which we'll we'll talk about <laughs> on another thing but ran into a crowd of my guys uh and then whiffed <laughs> it like it was really and everybody. bad you know yeah um <laughs> and uh i was like sweet because then my counter attack uh was a chance to I, I if i'd managed a crit on the counterattack, it would have landed me yeah. uh i think f- four, four inspires. inspires or something like that yeah. but but i missed it you know and so uh and there was a thing where it was like a crit in that dice roll would have been insane well, yeah, like what yeah. the impact it would have had on the game maybe
0: yeah it, um, and so i think we've we've mentioned it enough at this point they're going to be a swingy there there's going to be ups and downs um i i think any mechanic that's designed around crits you're just gonna yeah. there's just gonna be times where you're like man if only i'd roll the crit <laughs> yeah 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 should make uh, for some great stories though
1: there's there's enough that already goes in that you know, on enough of that that already goes on in this game <laughs> oh yeah like yeah. if i'd only rolled a crit but
0: uh, oh if only but anyway. uh,
1: but I I think there's enough there to like it, it does it feels like more than just crit fishing that's a that's a part of what they're doing but I'm, I'm yeah looking forward yeah, to exploring yeah. them a little bit more so. I,
0: and and I think it's it's worth mentioning uh, Sir Judrin is a tank he is yeah. he is a real boss and I think he's a
1: tank but you kill him in like two activations well you rude man <laughs> I
0: I made him a priority to kill yeah. and I think you're gonna yeah. have to because he is yeah. a monster um and he he'll do work so. Uh, yeah anyway i mean this
1: is, a, this is a fair point like he starts out at, at three damage and the king starts out at two damage grievous so you have two fighters that can be at three de- you know basically are threatening three damage right out of the gate which is which is strong for any yeah. war warband
0: yep yep very scary um yeah but so that's i mean that is the contents of the box uh, mm. from like a you know what what are the physical contents um, yeah but but we also have of course a new rule book. Um uh, well, and whoo it's a doozy there's there's a lot going on in here. Yeah. Um do you want to start with some of the narrative stuff and just give a quick hit there or go straight into the crunchy new Yeah,
1: I mean stuff? the first thing it leads off with is uh some narrative components and uh, I enjoyed reading them. Uh I'd recommend you take the time to kind of through i know it's not always for everybody that that plays this game but i thought it was pretty cool yeah. um it talks about the mountain beast grave also in Gur, because we are in the realm of beasts narwood is in Gur, the realm of beasts yeah uh beast grave has collapsed uh from a surge of magic so it, it is it is really tied into some of these big events that are happening in the age of sigmar universe and if you want to hear more about those uh, go listen to the story phase that's uh, <laughs> the the flagship uh, mortal realms uh podcast um curiously, there is no mention of the Ulgu seasons. Uh, yeah. it's it's almost as if Nethermaze and Harrow Deep didn't happen uh, narratively. And and those seasons uh in Nethermaze, it pretty clearly pointed to uh, I think uh, what um, Iron Soul uh, of mm. the condemned. She she got out of the Nethermaze and found herself in Hish. Uh, and then this takes us just kidding, you're back in Gura <laughs> thing. Uh and so yeah. I, I really wonder like this this feels like maybe a thing that somebody up top says, Hey, like let's let's tie in uh Warhammer Underworlds and Warcry together, which I'm all for. Um, but it does require maybe some sort of retcon or, or something like that. But
0: Yeah. I yeah, I agree that there's there's some inconsistencies there I, I think maybe a nice way that they can kind of get out of that though is that like in in ulgu like memory and stuff was all just sort of you you know getting lost in the shadows and forgetting sure. about stuff and like
1: if the, yeah if there was ever a realm where you were not going to remember what you did there it's old yeah right yeah
0: yeah uh in vegas Um, (laughs) anyway uh, so yeah I mean I don't know I was very excited about the prospect of going to Hish Uh, I thought Mm -hmm. it was going to be cool um, see a new realm see what it was going to look like uh, to be in a new realm Uh, but you know Gur makes a lot of sense it keeps us tied to Warcry which I think is probably for the best because it allows The two games to sort of move together in uh, the future, Um, and that may mean some cross pollination of like models as well, Um, and and players. I mean, that's an important right. Well, yeah, can't overlook that. I mean, hopefully they're not just coming to steal all of our kits. Yeah, (laughs) hands off. I mean, we are are. hands off. Well, I I. In some ways, you know, I'm joking, but in other ways, it's kind of like, you know, there was a little while there where Crimson Court were flying off the shelves oh, because man. people yeah. wanted them for yeah. A Sigmar. And, it, you know, in some areas of the world, uh, it was pretty hard to get your hands on them to actually have them to play with. Yeah. Uh, and that that is something that, you know, Games Workshop should probably try and figure out uh, a way to fix, yeah. um, you know there shouldn't be significant supply issues for a game like this. That's been around for five years. Yeah. You know, um, but, but that is not to say that we don't want, you know, Warcry people around. Uh, I think having people who play both games is just a, you know, it's just a benefit. The more people we have playing our game, the better. So if, if including, the narratives together means that people from Warcry will dabble in uh, buying some of these kits and pick up the game incidentally, then that is a good thing.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, for people who are interested in the narrative, uh, the Gnarlwood is a, a spot in the Realm of Beasts. And specifically, and this is a thing that is happening in Warcry, uh, it, there's the ruin of Talaxis. Yeah. uh and this is the uh the Seraphon. the lizardmen have these like big cosmic vessels uh one of them has crashed right mm-hmm. uh, I think they called it like the eye of kotek or something like that um yeah but uh uh it's it's a really cool hook right like this this uh big craft arc crashed uh it has treasures like that's what's drawing people here. Uh, some of them and uh and I what I really like what I really like to see is them put together like here's the story and like what are small ways that we can represent this oh, and yeah. some of those is like of of the feature like all nine of the feature tokens look like they are seraphon uh, artifacts or shattered pieces of uh, seraphon structures or, or that sort of thing like yes I love it like and now I have this theme that I can work on um yeah you know just just picture or whatever
0: like it, it's great yeah and and you know consciously tying all of that stuff into the season i think is pretty great um i feel like sometimes the, you know the the idea of like so i think maybe beast grave was probably one of the best where they were like hey you know inside the the mountain of beast grave everybody's you know being driven to those like animalistic tendencies and you have this undying hunger or whatever but then like tying the actual like story into the mechanics didn't actually work out all that well um you know i i won't say that hunger was a complete failure unlike some folks that we know <laughs> uh but i i think that it could have definitely been better and and i'm hoping that you know they seem pretty committed to this story that they've got going in both games and will be able to tie a lot of that together um, as we go forward, I, I thoroughly expect to see cards that reference some of this stuff directly. Um, right. Absolutely. And I think that'll be pretty great. Uh, and hopefully a new Seraphon warband.
1: We already, <laughs> we already
0: saw. Hey, I mean, uh, you know, gotta, gotta get it in when it can. Right. Um, and we already saw some new skink models, which was super great, um, for Warcry. Uh, new, uh, similar to autopilot. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh but, man. Uh, different, different, uh, poses and stuff. So pretty, pretty yeah. great. Um, I I'm super excited. Uh, we, I, I don't know that it necessarily means anything, so I'll just mention it quickly, but you know, in one of the, I guess it was the, the, the narrative, um, ORCOM article, they, they had some art, some splash art that they had in that article, and one of them was actually uh, a battle between the hashit Warcry guys. The, the The point is that it's two Warcry warbands fighting, and and the article is about Underworlds, and it's like, well, horns of hashit horns of hashit That's right. Yeah. Uh, and then the other the other one was Iron Golems, which has been since around since the first edition of Warcry. Um, and so it just made me wonder, like. Are we potentially going to get cards for Warcry Warbands, or is this just something where they're like, "Hey, just setting up the the background, and we're just showing mm. these guys because that's the art that we already have"? Mm. Um, I wouldn't be upset either way, but if they wanted to just be like, "Hey, these models that already exist, here's cards," yeah, it'd be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, gorgeous um, models.
0: Yeah, very, very nice. I I guess the only thing that maybe makes me think they wouldn't do that is there's too many options. Um, There's usually like 10 different types of models, I think, in those boxes. Mm -hmm. And that's probably Mm -hmm. a bit much for our game. But either way, pretty cool. Uh, Love having all this stuff tied together. The the, the sort of jungly aspects of Gur is very different from what we had before. So I do like that the boards don't look anything like what we saw from dire chasm or beast grave.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, a mea culpa on my part, looking at the, uh, looking at the kind of video, I assumed there was a ton of spider webs on the boards themselves. Uh, the board, I thought that was like all spider web is actually like all <laughs> splintered gnarled oak. It's like crazy yeah. uh, predatory arc question mark something like that
0: but yeah um, i was thinking maybe like brambly type like branches mm, maybe that yep. like reach out to grab at people but either way
1: but in my well i was gonna say in my defense the backside of the objective tokens are are webs but even that's not necessarily true like i'm, I'm looking at them <laughs> like they're they're they might be but i think they're just like tangled roots
0: so yeah which makes sense yeah yeah but uh so yeah the, this forest theme it looks very different so even though we're back in a place we've been before it's not gonna be like a rehash of anything we've seen before and and i think that's good um it helps differentiate and it it makes sense i mean GUR is a very diverse uh realm there's a whole lot of different settings that they could use so it made it made it probably easy for them to be like hey it's okay we can go back here and it won't feel the same
1: Yeah, I mean, these, these, right, exactly. Like these realms, if you're familiar with Age of Sigmar or the broader uh, game, then, you know, the realms are near infinite, each and every one of them, of the, of the Uh realms. And, uh, and so it's kind of fun to, like, see some diversity within those. So.
0: Absolutely. Well, uh, we, we have talked a lot about the actual warbands, some of the background of the setting, um, just, you know, a whole lot of stuff, but we've already made mention a number of times now about a lot of these rules changes and we are going to try and run through all of them. Uh, Hopefully we haven't missed anything else at this point. Um, But if we do, uh, forgive us, (laughs) we we will, I'm sure get caught up to speed just like everyone else eventually. Yeah. But uh, let's, uh, let's just run this down. There's a lot to get through. So, um, yeah, I, and I'll autumn, say this autumn, I think just makes yeah
1: there's there's a lot of folks that you know mention how that there's errors in the warcom the uh, Warhammer community articles. but like honestly, like kind of saved my bacon. I was the first one to look at the rule book between the two of us. and uh, what I discovered is like the absence of a rule is much more difficult to detect than the presence of a new rule. And yes. so uh that is a way of saying the whole thing with move and charge tokens i totally overlooked when i first went through and that's a big one uh (laughs) what's the deal with move tokens
0: yeah so the new changes for folks who didn't see um move tokens now mean instead of this fighter cannot move or charge anymore it is just going to mean that this fighter cannot charge so after you make a move action, you'll get your move token as normal. And then if you need to move again, you can do so.
1: Um, that's not a- so special. Now, are you exiled dead? Just kidding. Yeah. Or, or soul. You, very special. In- yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. What, what do you, what do you do now? Uh, <laughs> I mean, um,
1: soul, right. Do have that uh, ability to charge
0: after they moved? That's uh, true. Which is, which is true. pretty that's significant. still pretty, but- pretty special. Yeah. But um yeah this is this is pretty huge uh there's a lot of times um either because you knew someone had already moved so they yeah. were locked down or you know like with autopodal or some of the nets and stuff where you could put down move tokens you could lock somebody in place oh, to man. know yeah they're not going anywhere yeah that's not the case anymore um yeah and so I'll be honest,
1: I, I totally overlooked that that piece myself. Yeah, um, yeah, that's something else. All right.
0: So, I mean, now, of course, the nets are all rotating out with direchasm. we assume. Yeah. But Autopoddle is still going to be around, but throwing move tokens on people is not as impactful as it was. Yeah. And I think time will tell how impactful this ends up being, but it feels like it's going to mean that there's some, uh, some interesting strategic play for hold warbands specifically you
1: and you nailed it there like i think this is a bigger deal for hold warbands than it is for aggro warbands because for an aggro warband, uh gaining a move token is at the very least costing you an activation because also now you can't charge so you're gonna have to move there for one activation and then attack in the next activation and that's assuming that they're even still there right yep um uh, whereas hold war bands are like, Oh, move token. Cool. I'm still going to walk into the corner and, you know, grab this feature token that's sitting here or whatever. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's a, that's a good differentiation
0: to, to point out. Yeah. And, and I guess it makes counterplay for, uh, when you're playing into hold war bands a lot harder because if you push, you know, if you use an, a push enemy fighter card too early, they might just walk them right back on. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, timing is going to become a lot tighter now, I think. I mean, I think
1: um, it pushes even more stuff to the end, uh, yeah, the last power step, The final right? power step is just going to be like a flurry of <laughs> And <laughs> And if and we're pushing more stuff to the last power step, do we say a little more no time? <laughs> hey, maybe.
0: Podcast yeah. uh, favorite, it, it no time. It finally gets its moment after... Yeah. Uh, after five years, <laughs> my time has come. <laughs>
1: no,
0: no time like the present. Is there a joke there somewhere? Uh, like, or, some, yeah. somewhere, somewhere. Right. You delve deeply enough, um, <laughs> and greedily enough. Uh, but yeah, so that's move tokens. I mean, it, it's it's simple, it's straightforward, but I think it's going to have a really big impact. Um, yeah, but. To go along with move token changes we're also seeing charge token changes what what are they doing with charging david
1: yeah so it's worth mentioning what it previously used to mean it used to be that if i have a charge token i cannot activate again i could still take actions if they were triggered by like power cards but yeah that was it uh now that still holds true unless every fighter in my warband has a charge token and then i can be activated but i cannot take a super action so yeah. uh, mostly for those who don't know, a, a super action is, is two actions combined, uh, most commonly seen in a charge, which is a move and attack, uh, but often also seen in a scything um, attack, which is, you know, attacking everybody around you. Uh, so this is most important in the final rounds uh, like round three often where you end up with like there's uh two fighters left in warband one warband and one in the other or or one-on-one on one. and it always used to be this thing of like okay yeah. uh who is going to commit first they're going to take the so that roll off in the last round would always be this thing where like oh man like do i want to risk take taking the first activation it means i don't have power card support Uh, but it does mean I have the chance to like kill the enemy before they get a chance to do anything. Uh, but what I risk is that I will then no longer be able to activate for the rest of the round. That's no longer the case. Uh, you will still potentially be stranded. Um, you would charge and then if they, if the enemy walks away from you, then you have to like try to move after them. Um, but, uh, it's not. It used to be like, if I have one fighter left and I charge it with the first activation in the round, my next three are just drawing cards. Um, my first impression, I'll, I'll be interested to hear yours. My first impression of this was a little bit negative because I, I really like that kind of dynamic of like uh, the, the tension of deciding there. But on further reflection, I'm like, I think I actually like this. Like it, it's its not a super exciting game to be like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to cycle objectives and draw power cards for my next three activations. Uh, and you still are really limited, right? Like I've charged and like, even if I'm, even if I'm down to a one fighter war band, uh, I can, I can charge. Uh, but now I can't charge again. So uh, hopefully I've got better than range one, but it's easier for somebody to just like move away from me. And then I can walk after them, but then they can walk again. Like I, yeah. I, I think this is, I think it's still a big deal to have a charge token on your important fighter. Uh, they're, they're very limited in what they can do from there on out.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I I felt like this was a weird change. When I first mm. read it, it was kind of like, this this probably isn't necessary. Um, and I think I'm still kind of in that camp. It, it's probably just not really all that necessary. Um, I think it disproportionately helps fighters with range 2 or 3.
1: 100%. Um,
0: they'll be able to charge into a position where then they know they can just keep taking shots uh, or swinging with their range two attacks. And um, I think there was some high level play where you could sort of set up for that. If it it got to that point, you were like, well, if I play this right, I know my opponent only gets the one activation and you could play with around that. And that's going to be harder now. It's not going to be a huge deal, but like, there's just many times where they, they get in a position and then they stick you somehow where you're stuck too close to get away from their range attack and then they're just going to swing three more times or something. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll see. I, I'm not, you know, I think that the the rules team really hasn't had any, you know, egregious mistakes in anything that they've done so far with the game. So I don't think that this is going to end up being that way either. I'm just not really sure um, that it was a necessary change I, I think it it didn't really play out all that much anyway um, to where like you felt like you really needed this and except maybe the exception being with like elite war bands where you're like I only have three fighters. I always have a dead activation. <laughs> right. Um, and so now maybe they have a little bit more play with three fighter warbands, which ah, that's a good um,
1: interesting point,
0: which, you know, we'll see, we'll have to really kind of play this out more to know if that is a big deal. Um, mm. But I, I could see like Gore chosen or, you know, um, I don't know, take your pick. Any of the three fighter elite warbands that like to smash uh, crushes, you know, they Mm. could really benefit from having that fourth swing in here, um, uh, you know, in the early turns. So um, it should be interesting. I mean, it's a big change. It's a same, same with move tokens. These are two huge changes that completely change the way the game plays. And so I think, We can't even really know yet how these are going to play out. Um, and it's, I think it'll probably work out fine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: and it just gives more options for those small fighter warbands because it used to be like, I've got three fighters, my first activation is going to be draw a power card and then go from there, (laughs) unless there's something like
0: very different that
1: I'm seeing, but yeah,
0: very, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one. Not so significant change, but worth noting. Um there is one additional inspire step that's been added in. Uh yeah. You want to run us through that.
1: So they had uh put inspire steps in after an activation and after uh, uh after the power step. Yep. Um that was something that was already established, and then they had a rata in one that's like at the end of the round and the start of the round or something like that so now the way it looks is you have the steps of a turn there's before your activation starts there's reaction inspire surge and then there's the activation itself and after the activation there's reaction inspire surge and then there's a power step and after the power step there's reaction inspire surge so that same three gets repeated um and that is a way to clean up this like thing of uh do you know, like the the war bands that it's important for them in like a particular round do they inspire that sort of thing? Uh, have they met it? Um when we first saw this, we we're like, oh man, like does this impact uh like Thorns of the Briar Queen and uh Dreppers Wraith Creepers? And as far as I can figure, the answer is actually no, because their card reads uh this fighter inspires if at the start of their activation uh you know whatever the case may be like uh, in the case of thorns is adjacent to an enemy fighter or in the case of dreppers is within two of an enemy fighter um Mm -hmm. that initial reaction inspire surge happens before their activation starts so i think they they're still Mm. they they're meeting that condition but they will not actually inspire until the end of their activation so I, I don't think we see any shift in that i think it's just like a cleaner way of, of doing this because historically anything that they say this happens at the start of the round or end of the round that's been problematic because the timing on that is is kind of mm, awkward yeah we, right we
0: have to figure that out so oh, that makes sense uh that's a very very good uh catch and um i i don't know i mean it's interesting i it almost feels like this, this sort of pre-activation check was almost, you know, almost intended like it should have been for ghosts. But I think you're right. I don't think it should affect them because it's going to happen before the trigger. Um, so I, I don't know if maybe we'll see some sort of comment about that or or like you say, could it could purely be a cleanup thing for yeah. a whole bunch of other stuff in the game. But yeah, um, either way...
1: and. And I'm, I'm open to the fact that I could be wrong. I could be reading this wrong. So uh, I'm interested in seeing when other people get. in. this is like super minutiae stuff that, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. if we have any new players listening, like, oh, my God, this game. Get me out of here. <laughs> uh, so. uh, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, if you if you if this is the sort of stuff you like, then, you know, there is a place to talk about this kind of stuff and debate this stuff. But I think for the vast majority of players, just know, That if if for whatever reason your fighters would inspire before you activate, there is now an actual trigger spot for that. Right. Um, Another, I think, fairly impactful but small and easy to understand change is that they've changed, and, and I think people kind of already caught on to this from some of the videos, Grievous is now going to be stacking similar to Knockback. So, um, if you look at the Sons of Velmore and they'll actually have stuff on their cards that says Grievous One, um, mm. which sort of indicates that there is such a thing as Grievous Two, and so on. Um, I did not actually get to look directly at the rules text, but I my understanding of it is to just say that if you have multiple instances of Grievous, they will all combine. That is, is that exactly
1: what it says you will. All right and so uh sansson forest Rider's nuclear star falcon is back baby
0: yeah man uh, uh watch out that bird's gonna hit you for like five damage <laughs> <laughs> uh but th- but this is actually a pretty big deal right I mean there there's yeah. gonna be times where somebody's you know loaded up with double grievous and they're just gonna be like all right uh if I crit this suddenly you're taking like five damage and it's just gonna be game over
1: yeah uh i think i i'm not like gonna throw a fit about anything here i i think i'm a little bummed that like crits i, I you know crits are a big enough deal already uh yeah. i i think this will introduce this thing like okay you know somebody's rolling if they crit they kill me if they don't then
0: it doesn't matter or whatever
1: so right uh we'll see how much that plays in
0: yeah it'll be i think it'll be interesting for certain warbands they'll like really lean into this but it's like it makes for this just very swingy sort of mechanic and yeah um there's gonna be some feel but overall not a huge change but something to keep in mind somebody can be coming at you with their festering skaven and you know grievous for like five or something and crit into seven damage and it'll be like what because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, they already have a grievous two card in their deck so they could be yeah packing a couple different forms of grievous and suddenly have some ridiculous stuff happen so a, a somewhat minor rules change there with grievous uh we got a, a another sort of big one though with some of the objective rules, what, uh, what's happening with objectives?
1: Uh, I mean, you said it like it, we, we kind of buried the lead here. I think this is the most impactful of these. <laughs> um, and that's saying a lot because like the move and charge thing is a big deal. But, um, uh, one is that objectives start face up. Um, and honestly, like I overlooked this the first time I read it, because it talks about placing them face down. But then yeah. once they're all placed, you flip them over. So it's the thing where, like, if you care about the numbers, you get to hide where which numbers are going where. Uh, with the objectives that you're placing, the backside is cover. Uh, the the um, face up side to start uh, are the objectives, um, and that uh, that's kind of a big deal for for a number of war bands, uh, certainly any war band that has a, uh, temporary victory equivalent, um, watch being the most notable basically makes, uh, in the name of the King, a, a, pretty viable objective again for that restricted slot.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and it, it's also a big deal for, uh, anyone who is running, th- you know, so like infestation or claim the city, like these, these things that said, Hey, like as long as you're holding all of something, uh, those just got a lot harder because the default is that all the objectives are showing, and you you are now the onus is now on the person trying to score that objective to get those other uh, face up objectives flipped. Um, there, I mean, there's there's this is especially with the set of cards that came out in Harrow Deep and Nether Maze. Like, there's there's a whole bunch of rippling epics. I don't know if you have any that jump to mind.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, there's just so many things that cared about being in cover either as like a defensive bonus or an offensive bonus or targeting people in cover. And there's just going to be a lot of warbands now that if they didn't care that much about cover to start with, they're not going to probably want to go to a lot of effort to care about cover now. Yeah. Like so if I'm playing my stalkers now, I'm probably going to, for the most part, ignore cover um, as much as I can. (laughs) Um, And there's actually another piece of this that I think is worth mentioning now. And that's, there's a change to the Delve rules. Yeah, Um, this is a great time to talk um, about it. And it it really, it really sort of drives home how big of an impact this is. And that, uh, so, so to Delve, you, it's still the same thing as it used to be. You can choose to Delve in the power step if you're on top of a feature token doing so will stagger that fighter yeah that is a really big deal in and of itself because now your opponent will have a re-roll against you um so you're not as safe being in that cover And then they also added a change to say that if you are staggered you cannot delve mm. that hurts <laughs> it
1: does uh and you know I think you and I both kind of looked at this. Initially, and we saw it for the, okay, like if I have the stagger keyword, if I'm Dentalos and I'm zapping people and staggering them, like I can, I can block this. If I'm snip pad paw, I can run up and smoke bomb them. And also they can't delve like, oh yeah, that's a big thing. I think the bigger thing is that it basically means that every fighter uh besides having a significant downside for delving in the first place they are only going to delve once per round unless you have some kind of like guard power card shenanigans or or something else or take an entire activation to put a fighter on guard so you can delve again yeah uh so it used to be i mean it was it was totally reasonable uh maybe reasonable is the wrong word it was it was totally common uh, a common sight to see uh a given fighter delve two three four times in a in a round in order to manipulate a particular feature token to be the the face upside that either benefit from for cover or as an objective for scoring something or just to flip it to get um a sudden revelation or ever downwards or something like that yeah Um, this is a sea change to that whole system
0: oh yeah i mean even just something that was as ubiquitous as uh, sudden revelation, all of a sudden you're like, do I spend a restricted slot on this? Like, yeah, it's not going to be as simple as it used to be. It, you effectively will need to wait until probably the end of the round to score it. And surges that you can't just score on command are not what you want. Yeah. Um,
1: well, and add to that, if you're a warband that cares about holding objectives, uh, Sudden revelation is suddenly a problem because I'm like, okay, I'm gonna flip this objective. That fighter that just flipped it cannot flip it back because they are now staggered and cannot delve again. Yeah. Uh, and now I've accidentally flipped too many and you know, maybe I was I had path to victory and I want to have two objectives and have killed a fighter and I'm loading one because
0: I've delved two of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean this this change probably in conjunction with the objective changes is going to completely change all the decks there i don't i don't see how any deck survives this change yeah um if you were playing something that cared even remotely about flipping or holding before this box comes out your deck probably needs to change yeah uh, would be my guess so interesting times yeah. uh it, it will be it will be cool to see what comes out i like having all the new deck building challenges but this is a big one and it I, is i think it it I, I think it's gonna bring the power level way down uh honestly i think there's gonna be some decks now that struggle
1: i uh, yeah i think it's gonna take some time to see uh you know combine this with uh i mean even I I mean, this is a time where you look at the cards in your deck and you say, does this card refer to an objective token? Does it refer to a cover token or a cover hex or does it refer to a feature token? Oh, yeah. And those cards that refer to a feature token, much bigger deal because it's so much harder to manipulate a particular feature token to be the side that you want it to be. Absolutely.
0: Stock is going way up on those. Yeah. speaking of other things that will probably have stock going up um there are a whole bunch of power cards that talk about flipping objectives or cover tokens um yeah i think that all of those cards that we basically never saw get played people might look at them now um sure there's a good reason to want them uh yeah either to mess up your opponent's plans because you're like, Hey, I want that to not be an objective or to be like, I need to get stuff back to being objectives. And I don't have a good way to do that without putting my fighters at risk. Yeah. which should be very interesting to see how many of those cards people decide are worth playing. Yeah. And then, you know, and in conjunction then with something like sudden revelation, you can score that with power cards. You don't have to delve um, sure. So maybe you still see it because people are running in a flip tech. Um, but either way, like it's just there's cards that were basically just n- afterthoughts. You never even considered them that now are probably going to be heavily considered for a lot of decks. Um, yeah, it felt like
1: in Hero Deep and Netherbase, there was a surprising number of cards that like did things that was like flip tokens and a lot of them were involved light or whatever, but like flip this token and you're like well that doesn't I mean it's so easily reversed and yeah yeah so way up on those uh waking gate being one of those that was the one that like uh locked all the I mean it's part of the uber combo right uh, open the waking <laughs> yeah. gate but it was uh who's a power card that said every every objective hex is kind of locked in its objective side every feature token that is currently objective cannot be flipped back um Uh, unless it gets moved or whatever the case may be but uh uh cards like that like all of a sudden kind of a big deal potentially like if it's really important for you to keep the enemy out of cover or uh for you to make sure that somebody doesn't flip your stuff like i i uh i like the deck building the championship deck building challenge that that
0: introduces absolutely um and, well, and since since we're here and we're talking about feature tokens and, and stuff, uh, I think it is also worth mentioning that the introduction of first with lethal hexes and then with gloom hexes, um, placing additional feature tokens during the board setup, that is not happening anymore. Mm. Uh, what What is going to happen with those feature tokens, Davey?
1: So any tokens that are not currently on the board uh, are considered available tokens and that's going to have the two additional ones and those uh those are double-sided they still have the back side is cover uh but now they're side up that would be you know an objective uh on a normal feature token or a feature token that's initially placed that side is a snare uh so it, it basically um staggers you if you end up in it um not a lethal as, as some might've uh, thought, including myself, those, uh, those can be placed with a plunder reaction. This is a universal reaction anybody can use. And uh, I, the, the wording on this is important because it is not, I, I imagine this to be like after, cause that's how it read to me. But the plunder reaction is uses during a friendly fighters attack action that takes the target out of action after the out of action check place one available feature token in the hex that the uh, target was in with the objective token face up. So if it is available, that's interesting that they've worded it specifically like that. If it doesn't have the objective token, that's weird. Right? <laughs> hmm. That's good. That, that may need an FAQ because uh, you would expect this plunder reaction to be able to place those two that are off the board. You know, Yeah. The, uh, yeah. And those specifically say, when you do place them, uh, you get to decide which side is going to be face up. The reaction itself says, hey, if you're placing it, you have to do objective side up. Uh, if there's no objective side, I wonder if you can yeah. technically take that reaction. Mm. Mm.
0: Okay, well, <laughs> something to follow up about, I guess, that yeah. is yet another thing that we you know maybe hadn't even really realized until just right now. Yeah, Uh, this is what we mean. There's there's a lot of rule changes in this book. Uh, I guess if if you are someone who is planning to play championship level games and you want to make sure that you're not going to get caught out by any rules stuff, just read this book cover to cover every single word because (laughs) there is enough changes that uh, are subtle enough that you might just completely miss them because we certainly did.
1: I, I mean, it does say when when you are told to place a feature token during a round, unless specified otherwise, that player can decide which face of the feature token is face up, uh, how that interacts with uh, the plunder reaction when there is yeah. no objective token is up. But the idea being that this plunder reaction will get to replace uh, feature tokens that have been removed from the board. Um, there's only kind of a handful of existing cards that are in rotation that can do that. I think uh, Reavers have one. I think uh, Iron Skulls uh, yep. boys have one. Uh, I'm sure Hothgorn has one. So, And uh, then uh, you'll see Gnarl Spirit
0: has at least one. Uh, maybe, three. Maybe two. Three. <laughs> three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a strange little uh, side strategy that they've got. They can remove yeah. feature tokens. Um, and then there's a there's like a universal one where you can now take, you can take it and put it on the fighter card. And then when they're like taken out of action, Oh it goes yeah. Back it's like board. a
1: destruction thing or yeah. like a scamper. Or I, something I, like
0: that. When I read, when I first read that card, I was like, who is going to play this? Like, what is the point <laughs> of doing this? Uh, well, maybe now we know. Um, hmm. But yeah, so not a lot of ways to do this, but it's probably going to be impactful at some point. You're, it might even be something where you don't think about it right up until the moment when your opponent's like, "And I'm gonna react and place a feature token," in you're like, "No." <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, I I think uh, I think there's some cards that benefit particularly from it. Where like if you can get a cheap kill on somebody, uh, you know, especially if you're I mean, gosh, I feel like it always comes back to spike claws. But you know, if they can manage to kill somebody on a starting hex in oh
0: yeah, you
1: know, enemy or friendly territory, then all of a sudden they get to. <laughs> uh, keep coming back onto that, you know? So, um, there's a lot, there's a lot to work through there. I think that that'll be kind of a finesse, finesse move in this
0: season. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, you got all three of these new rules that kind of all work together in to changing how this works, but I think the, you know, in setup. There's just going to be fewer tokens to try and occupy, so there's going to be more oh, of yeah. a fight to be on them. Um, I think this yeah. brings down stock for stuff like Horrors in the Dark. It's going to be a 100%, lot harder yeah. to set that up um, yeah. than not being able to flip things as easily. There's just going to be a lot more head games with that. What um,
1: I what I like about that, like you mentioned Horrors in the Dark, and that is 100% valid. Uh, what I like about that is all of a sudden it feels like there's more... I felt like there were just a couple boards that I used cuz I was like, yeah, you know, this this one is flexible on the starting spaces and I get to place enough tokens that I can do whatever I want. Now, if you want to run horrors in the dark uh or if you suspect, yeah, so like you running horrors in the dark doesn't but if you suspect your opponent is running horrors in the dark, you have to be like, okay, like let's not give cover like printed cover hexes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. And uh that's that's good, right? Like that yeah. that uh that plays. So anything, um,
0: anything that uh rewards you for knowing how to best set up the boards, um there it's you probably go. a good thing. Yep. Um that there there's a skill in doing that and it can completely change a game. And so being rewarded for knowing how to do that, I think, is a good thing. Yeah um you know having a greater knowledge of the game should be a benefit yep. and um in this case it definitely feels like it will be yep uh but i think with those three kind of lumped together that is the last of the core rules changes is it possible that we hit them all uh, uh. i hope i hope so because it'll f- feel bad if we've for a third time somehow missed additional <laughs> rules changes
1: i mean it, it could be uh, uh like we said like we're we're reading through this book we're trying to find everything um it is worth saying like there there's this cool dynamic in the rule book itself where they uh it is i believe the thickest rule book that we have ever had uh i was uh doing a real therapeutic thing which is to organize my hobby room oh yeah um and uh, man, it's just like serenity now to <laughs> sit in here because it, it feels good. Uh, but one of the things I did was like I, I took every season's rule book and stacked them up. And we're, I was putting them in one of the old season's boxes. And you could feel them getting bigger and bigger and bigger as as it went on. Yeah. Uh, and some of that is, you know, clearly because more rules have been added. And some of it is because they're they're working to like really kind of codify some of the
0: language that they use um even even just like adding all the charts and diagrams and stuff to yes explain yep. exactly in detail like here's the flow chart of how <laughs> all of this stuff works they're like man in shadespire we just had the yes we had no yep. idea
1: yeah uh and and this is you know from that perspective from the perspective of somebody who really wants to break down the rules as best they can. This is the best rule book they've written. Uh, and for somebody who's just coming in, what they've done is they've written, here's the rule, you know, uh, th- this is how you, uh, this is what we mean when we say place a feature token, or this is what we mean when we say, uh, you know, the uh, an attack action or something like that. And then, Uh, the next thing they have is these boxes that are set aside and they are advanced rules. And if you are just getting started, you don't need to read that. Like that is something that is like not corner case, but like, it's not going to come up. If, if you, if you were to just ignore that, you could probably play just fine. Uh, But if you want to get like, you know, play like we have, you know, since the start of the game and we're pretty familiar with it. uh, You, you do want to have that on board. But it, it talks about, you know, that, that that's that's the, in those boxes where it comes up with um, like, uh, I don't know, like with tokens and counters, like uh, tokens are placed here, counters are placed here. When a fighter goes out of action, uh, counters are removed, tokens are removed. And like, what does that mean or something like that? And that for, for most people who are new to the game, they don't care. Like this guy's dead. Like, why does it matter? <laughs> yeah. You know, why does it matter if they keep the three wound counters that was on him? It doesn't, you know, 99% of the time, it does not matter that the counters that they had on them are removed. You need a specific thing to tell you that. Uh, and I think that's a pretty clever move. I think that makes the, the book more accessible. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. It shows you where you can take your shortcuts uh, to get, yeah. get up and playing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I've, had a similar experience with some of the more complex board games where it's like you you start trying to play the game as you start to you know fumble through the rules because you're like well let's just get started and then you're like whoa wait a minute how does this work let me go find that and it's like yeah oh man i wish i had just read all the rules before we started because you know that it's it's complex enough that if you didn't you're missing stuff whereas here yeah. i think they they lay out all the stuff you have to get through pretty easily and yeah. then you can you know go back for the the minutiae when you get yeah. to that point which is good. 100%. Yeah. Very good. Well, uh, that that is man. <laughs> that's a lot. Uh, hopefully that's yeah. enough for you cuz that's that's the gnarlwood box. <laughs> yeah. And that's just, yeah. you know, just a quick a quick touch on the warbands and the deck box. Um, yeah. It, it, I think it's probably the most impactful new release we've ever had. Um, and and there's there's more stuff that changed in the last three seasons than I actually remembered having changed. Yeah. But this stuff I think will shake up the game in some pretty big ways. Some some things that were so core to the game that we just took them for granted that are now different. Uh, yeah. that is stuff that I never would have expected would have changed. So, uh, interesting times, fun times, uh, there's going to be lots of new strategies in the game. Um, it's a yeah. great time to start playing the game cause you'll be on kind of the same level as everyone else yeah. in some respects.
1: Yeah. Um, Right. I mean, if it was just that objective token started face up and there's a whole like we talked about the changes to delve, that would be huge. But like we've got the move and the charge thing like there's. Yeah. yeah, you're you're right. Like this is this is a good time to be starting because this is everybody's relearning, you know, some of the, the core uh, concepts of what it is to uh, to play this game.
0: Yeah. So I am i'm very excited i'm ready to go i want this box to be out so that we can start playing with people uh with all these new rules with the new war bands with just let's get into the new world we we know yeah. we know what everything has it. been and i i'm excited uh we we're kind of locked in the old world for a little while. Yeah, uh, we're we're participating in the WTC Championship online. Oh yeah, and uh, that—that's
1: the pre-Gorchosen meta, is what that yeah, is. Yeah,
0: pre-pre-Gorchosen meta. So we're going to be uh, a number of weeks still playing in uh Nethermaze rules, and it's going to be it's going to be a little taxing, I think, to keep going back and forth between these uh, two yeah, rule sets, seen. but. Oh. I got
1: to, I got to talk to Frederick cause, uh, I think this, if it's an annual thing that lands around this time, like they need to move it cause this, you, yeah <laughs> you <can't do> this <laughs> yeah. Kind of, yeah you can't do like a locked list event right when the season's always going to be changing, but that's going to be get That's going to, you know, if we're doing double seasons, you know?
0: Yeah. Who knows? Know. Um, but, but either way, I mean, it, it should be fun and, and, you know, just don't be like us. Don't be, don't be doing that kind of thing where you're locking yourself <laughs> in for, I don't know, what is it? Eight weeks. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> but it'll be fun. Um, super excited. Anything else you want to touch on about Gnarlwood before we get out of here and get to bed?
1: Uh, I nothing's jumping to mind. I, I'm excited for this season. I'm excited. It's a thing where, like, you know, you and I—we're just two people. We're just looking at this. Uh, we're giving you our opinions based on having had some time to process it. We're trying to give you something that you can look at on that first day. We've got to play some with it and we can give that perspective, having, having had some reps with it. Uh, But the community is so much stronger than any one person or any one, you know, content creation outlet or whatever. And so uh, from our perspective, we're, we're so excited for other people to like get into this and, and uh, you know, work on this in a way that two people can't yeah uh, and hopefully you know soon five once we once we get the other guys on board but uh um it's uh it's always a exciting time to to be in a new season and this is no exception and uh there's nothing here that makes me like worried that the game is going in a wrong direction it's going in a new direction but
0: not a bad one in my opinion absolutely i think you know we've mentioned many times before that deck building is always the most fun when the meta is completely upended you've got yep. whole new puzzles to figure out that's super yep. fun this yep. is like that times two um yeah so super excited i think people will start churning out decks talking and ideas it's going to be lots of fun times in the community coming up here yep. pretty soon yeah
1: um no time like the present to go back to your eyes of the night. Oh, film. yeah,
0: of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're they probably a little better now, actually. Uh, but, but we'll... we'll yeah, maybe... deceitful
1: step back in play, baby. There, yeah, yeah. It is teleporting yeah.
0: onto those feature yeah. tokens because the objectives are available again. Um, but we'll save that for another day. Uh, it is late. We've been talking for a while. Let's get out of here Uh, and we've got plenty of stuff coming up, so be ready. We got some cool ideas coming from our new folks. We've got more stuff for us to cover. I'm sure we're going to try and figure out some sort of a, uh, battle report with these new warbands. Once we get championship decks built for them, I believe that. Yeah, it's going to be good times, but, uh, as always, uh if if you have any feedback for us, anything that we talked about today, if we missed any rules, if you've got your box in hand and you're just listening while you're reading and you're like, hey guys, it's like huge stuff that you missed, let us know. Reach out to us at WTHcast on Twitter or whathexcast at gmail.com. Uh, or if you want to come and find us in our Discord or any other uh underworld's social media platform and you wanna just call us out. Yeah. <laughs> By all means, dear dear idiots! Yeah, mm-hmm. how could you? How? Yeah. Dare you. <laughs> uh, first off, uh, <laughs> first of all, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> of course, insert meme here. um
1: Narrator's note: They did forget something. Yes, as uh, Warhammer community pointed out, and we managed to overlook. Uh, reaction windows are no longer limited to one per window, they are limited to one per player per window, which means that you don't block an opponent's reactions in a given window and vice versa. Uh, we can speculate a couple reasons for this change. One is that uh, just for general quality of life, the timing on this was always kind of fuzzy. Uh, The windows are getting more and more explicitly laid out, but how long you had to wait to allow your opponent the chance to react before you took a reaction yourself to avoid the situation where you react, and they say, oh, no, actually, I was going to do one, and uh, that actually blocks yours. Um, This is just a better situation where it can be better defined. Um, On top of that, there uh, is some design space that gets opened up. Uh, There are cards that are problematic because of the window that they occupy you know most notoriously uh this was a problem with hunter's reflexes a card that let hrothgorn block any and all reactions basically that happened after an enemy activation um this uh well it was not a card that was otherwise uh, a problem but specifically because of how badly it messed with uh, that window this uh prevents some of those unintended consequences of those windows interacting so i think it's good um you lose a very little uh, piece of very high-end deck building where you might try to specifically plan to block a reaction that's particularly prevalent in the meta, uh, but I think that's pretty corner case. So uh, my take is positive. Uh, this is actually going to be a little bit of a, a boost for Rippas, if anything, because they specifically have a uh, that bite attack that happens after an activation, uh, and that uh, can periodically be blocked by certain things. So uh, you can still kind of... Um, have to plan around it with your own cards and such. Um, and depending on the reactions that you get, you may be able to, uh, uh maneuver because the stack is resolved in a particular way. And we'll let you read that, uh, more specifically, but it's the uh, activating turn first. Uh, but the other, uh, the other one that, uh, we did notice and then just somehow managed to overlook entirely is that upgrades are now continuously, uh, monitored. Um, if, they have a restriction. For instance, an attack action upgrade can't go on a beast. If you become a beast, any attack action upgrades you have break, unless they tell you otherwise, specifically on the card. Uh, this oh, used to be explicitly the other way, where you only check when applying the upgrade. Uh, this has to have arrived specifically for that example of, uh, of uh, things that are limited uh, can't or are not supposed to be on Beast, uh, specifically with the Gnarl Spirit Pack, which is going to be changing in and out of Beast form quite a bit. Um, We also see it with large fighters. Uh, As we see more and more cards that are restricted away from going on large fighters, uh, they have made sure that you can't make your fighter large after the fact to try and uh, take advantage of that. So just a little bit of extra deck building attention to detail there for you. Uh, We are going to send it back, and by we I mean you and me because phil's not here to see my shameful mistake uh back to the show
0: uh and, and if, uh, we mentioned earlier uh with some of the lore stuff but um by all means uh, especially now that we're tying more into the war cry setting uh go get on the realms.com, go check out all the, all the other podcasts that we have there yep um dogs of war cry especially they just getting into this area of the story as well. Um, just started
1: there season five, Yeah, season five, episode one, just dropped for those
0: boys. Yeah. So if you want more about the story and the setting that we're in, go check them out. Um, and, uh, it, it should be a good time. Um, there should be a lot more cross pollination between those two channels. So if you are, yep. uh, even remotely interested in Warcry, cry, go check them out. They do a really great job. Um, they're one of the few surprisingly Warcry cry podcasts available even so i know um, for a game
1: like that you know
0: yeah i know uh so go check them out they do great great stuff
1: so uh before we move on shout out to the story phase we are about to record an interview with uh david geimer one of the black library authors oh yeah uh, that's a first for us it's a really big deal um, we're excited to be able to do that we've read a lot of books uh, he writes one of our favorite characters Hamilcar. Um the best I'm going to be part of that tomorrow uh, that's going to come out whenever Aaron gets around to editing it and yep. he's not going to listen to this so I'm just going to dog him it's going to take forever <laughs> guy. Um, uh, I'd say it's because he's a perfectionist but man you've heard his stuff is not perfect Um <laughs> Any more? Any more? Like digs I can get on this guy while he can't defend himself? Wow! I, don't know. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. I'm
0: sure there's a few, but uh, just may- maybe we'll have to yeah. stockpile a few just in case. Call it,
1: call it there. But anyway, there, there's great stuff going on in the network. Uh, uh, yeah, we're we're proud of what we do here. We we love having our new guys on, uh, but there's cool stuff going on elsewhere, and we'd like you to take a look at that too.
0: Absolutely. Um, and as always, uh, you know. We we need to give some credit to uh, Games Workshop just as a thank you um, for getting us this box early so that we could get through all of this review. I mean, having this with time to, you know, make the mistakes and realize that we missed a whole bunch of stuff is actually really great because otherwise yeah. we could have recorded an episode where we really sounded dumb or dumb err yeah. Er. emphasis there uh but yes so definitely um appreciate that um kind of already mentioned that we've got a whole bunch of different ideas of stuff that could be coming up next which one it will be you'll have to just wait and find out with us because we don't know either yeah um I, I almost dread asking this because I am not ready. But uh, did did you have a quiz for me today? Yeah, I feel <laughs> so
1: sorry for you. This is so hard. There is <laughs> like one hundred and twenty eight new cards in this, and uh, you you have looked through them all. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm I sure I, I didn't read all
0: the flavor text.
1: <laughs> I am sure. Also, I will give you um, I'll give you two hints here. It is universal. Okay. And it features a war band that you are partial to. Okay. All right. It might be best if some of the hidden treasures of the
0: Gnarlwood stayed buried. Ooh. So I'm thinking it's from Daring Delvers. Correct. Go on. Uh, and I'm going to Guess uncovered secrets. He got it. Oh, oh my, my gosh! Goodness. <laughs> uh, you know
1: I couldn't stay away <laughs> from the three glory surge. You know,
0: because <laughs> uh, I was thinking I was like, okay, the the hint about it being like a warband I'm partial to really helped. Yeah, because uh, I was like, okay, there's not actually that many that have a warband that I and I was like, okay, there's eyes of the nine and there's reavers, <laughs> uh, and and it's probably like delvers. So. What, what have I got to work with in there? And I was like, okay, there's like two choices. And I yeah. don't think it's the reverse one because they probably don't give crap about the secrets. <laughs> 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 so, uh, yeah, there you go. Um, somehow managed to pull that rabbit out of the hat. Yeah. Well done. Okay. Right. Uh, and recommended listening then what do we got yeah uh
1: this is this is a burn on me because of how much i talked about there being webs and everything like that there are no there are no webs in (laughs) our wood apparently uh but i I did pick web by the roots and that's from their album the tipping point it's a good track you should check it out well
0: uh they're all bangers right i mean yeah maybe stop maybe it's worth mentioning I, i don't know if we've ever called this out before uh we have actually put all of these into a spotify playlist that exists yep. someplace i don't yep. remember what it's called uh, but what the heck's recommended listening there you go easy enough yep. i should have known that um yep. so if you ever want to just like jam out to all of the recommended listening there you go you got a 80
1: 89 tracks of uh of stuff at this point hi actually god man i'm did i make myself wrong here? when uh when battle for salvation when max when max showed up on uh, he tried to like put 20 songs onto our <laughs> recommended oh listening. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that terrorist tried to blow us up but uh uh i don't remember how many of those i translated in there anyway yeah so it's eclectic but it's fun
0: yeah it, it's just it's just fun uh it, it's late let's let's close this God, out so late for yeah. what the hex i've been phil And I've been Davey.
1: And we are going to be less than two hours, uh, so we we got in under the wire. We're we're no we're no path to glory or uh,
0: story face. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: God, uh, it's so terrible. <laughs> you you'll be at like the like the two hour and fifteen minute mark, and you're like, oh man, we're almost done. Like so great, like we're gonna get out of here. And then like you like nope. blink and it's like three hours you know <laughs> three hours and 50 like an hour past how are, how do we make
0: no progress like what is going on so terrible. creeping up on hour four here yeah uh, it's now almost pat you know midnight mid 12 30 yeah,
1: yeah. Well, Ooh, there, boy, there
0: you go another another dig for aaron i can cue uh. that one up for post credits <laughs> yeah uh, i think absolutely.
1: drum yeah I was going to say drum train there's, there's some, uh, uh, dwarven dialect thing. And I, but I can't remember if that's a curse or, (laughs) uh, uh, so,
0: well, we'll just stay away from that one then. Yeah. Um,
1: God, I give myself so much to edit to either cut that out or leave it in and make it sound cool.
0: (laughs) Well, Uh, I guess if you could check it and you find out that that is what you actually wanted to say, yeah, definitely stay, save me from myself here. Sound real cool. Um, um war cry guys the <laughs> i am trying to remember what the other part of the name is but this anyway this podcast they, they break basically... is brought to
1: you by <laughs> No yeah it's card um, Sleep selection yeah anyway they hey so uh narlwood huh <laughs> yeah man
0: here here it comes